everybody and welcome to another episode of the Winging It F1 podcast. I'm Freddie, I'm going to be hosting this today and I'm joined by your other two hosts, Nigel Chu. Say hi, Nigel. Hello, everyone. And Adam Dickinson. Adam, say hello. Hello. Yeah, there we go. I was, I was hoping Nigel would say hi, Nigel, and then that'd be a, you know, oh, yeah. cliche nice. joke. I'm not but... that clever, you see. <laughs> so... Well, I've noticed. <laughs> well, let's hope, let's hope some of your intellect just appears out of out of the ether for today's episode um because today is our silverstone preview episode woo yay hooray and it's also um just time to say a special mention to us because it's pretty much exactly two years since we started the the podcast um when we were previewing the austrian grand prix in 2020 back when we were all in the same places because of lockdown now we're just in the same places because um of self-imposed lockdowns by our social lives um not for long <laughs> not for long not for long um life really yeah we just have life um but yeah nigel put together a lovely little compilation video of some um unique moments of our <laughs> tenure i suppose you could say um tenure like with the blooming prime minister we're not um but yeah so uh, go check that out. It's on our YouTube channel and it's just us messing around. And, you know, it's, Nigel did a really good job with it and you get to see some of his finest editing work and you get to see why he also why he did a multimedia final project for his degree. Um, it didn't really work for Spotify, unfortunately. So for anyone who does listen to us on just Spotify, go to YouTube right now. Or alternative audio platform. We don't discriminate. Yeah. Um, no, we do not. <laughs> F1 are actually... Uh, honouring his Thursday press conferences of week, isn't it? So they're honouring yes. our birthday with the press conferences on the 30th, which is our official birthday of when the episode came out. So, you know, if you're listening to Lewis Hamilton talk about porpoising, then just think he's doing that in our honour. <laughs> yes, in our honour. Yes. Um, he may not know it, but we do, and he is. And in true, in true, um, we're going to F1 style we're now going to just move on immediately to just one little bit of news that you've probably already heard about which is Pierre Gasly officially officially staying at AlphaTauri <laughs> for 2023 we already knew it but now we already know that we already know it now we definitely know it um now obviously the conversation on this is whether it's the right move for Pierre for his career he's just a bit stuck in the quagmire of the midfield now there's no such there's never been any such thing as a career Toro Rosso or AlphaTauri driver so what do you think about this position and this, well, not move, but this static scenario for Gasly, Nigel? It, it couldn't really go anywhere else that would have moved him like, to a top team because he's not going to go to Red Bull, he's not going to go to Ferrari and he's not going to go to Mercedes. So that leaves Alpine if Alonso retires, Aston Martin if, if Vettel retires, maybe McLaren if Ricardo leaves. And all of those are unlikely to challenge for the title next year. So he's probably done the right thing just for continuity and knowing that he can beat Sonoda. Although you could argue if he went to a new team and then beat, say, a Norris or an Ocon or someone like that, that would you know improve his stock. So I think he's doing the right thing. What well, He's got to consider 2024 already and think about what he's got to do because he can't say Alphatari for the rest of his F1 career. Uh, well, he could, but he, you know, if he wants to win races and get podiums, then he shouldn't. Uh, so, 
it's probably the right thing to do for him. And it's good for Alpha Tauri, I think, as well. Do you concur, Adam? Yeah, it's quite a difficult one. I mean, you know, he's, he's got, you know, more years on the grid and all of that. But I don't know. I, I kind of agree with Nigel. It, it, at the moment, there's just not kind of much scope for growth. I think they've maybe been a bit, or, you know, the Gasly um, Alpha Tauri package has probably had its most disappointing year. I'm not saying he's been a bad driver, but I think, you know, he hasn't quite hit the heights as of in other years at the team. So, yeah, it, it's a very middling thing. I think it just smacks of kind of waiting for something else to come along, maybe some of those drivers that you listed moving on. And, you know, I think the only other option he would have had is, you know, so I, I know Bottas' situation was different, but where he went to a team kind of at the back of the at the grid, but, you know, with the, the hope that with some backing and potential, they can move up the grid. But, you know, in terms of where he's, the teams that are available right now, then I think, you know, it's it's the best best option. I don't think it will be, you know, I think he'll hope that there are some better options coming up down the road. Yeah, it seems to be all the moves that could be there are just sort of rumoured by people and are in, on top of that are all sideways moves anyway. Like Aston Martin, they seem to be very open about wanting to keep Vettel at the moment. And I don't see any reason to get rid of a Alonso. He's still performing magnificently at, at Alpine. So those are the only teams really that you could potentially have seen a gap if you were thinking about this in January. And there isn't really one. So I do think it's kind of just a, a, a contract by circumstance. I think, I think Helmut Marko was saying he's contracted officially to the mother, the mothership of Red Bull. Um, that's my dog, as which you can tell because I'm at home now, not in Sheffield. Um, he, he's, he's contracted to the mothership of Red Bull until 2023 anyway. So he really needs to start thinking now for 2024, would you say? Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I think he's got to hope his best bet is if one of these midfield teams that we mentioned, you know, McLaren, Alpine, Aston Martin, if they start, you know, really getting onto the tails of Red Bull and Ferrari, that is his best hope, and then jumping ship to one of them at the right time. Because other than that, I think there's other drivers, you know, who have a better reputation or who, are, who have a bit more value in the stock market who are ahead of him. And Gasly, as much as, you know, how amazing his last, last year was, uh, you know, he's arguably top five, top six driver last year. People have forgotten that already because this year he's not quite, you know, beaten Sonoda as as well, I guess. Maybe that's because Sonoda's been driving better, which I think is the case. So he's got to set himself up for a McLaren or Alpine move and hope that they can become a top team. I think that's his best bet. I mean, I would, I would say, like, if any, if any of the really top teams, you know, looking... I can't really see how a seat will open up there, but stranger things have happened in F1. And if there is, if there is, you know, a seat comes up, you know, say Hamilton retires or something like that. And I really think for those top three teams, he's one of the best options on the market right now. You know, I don't, I think if you look into bring someone in, you know, maybe outside of Norris, I, you know, he's the driver that would be top of that list for me in terms of, you know, if, if a top tier seat comes in, he, he'd be there for me. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying on that. I think there's a lot of kind of drivers in that boat who are kind of in a in a line, I think. You've got Norris, and then you think, to be honest, I think you've then got Gasly, Albon, kind of really actually the ones that I can imagine being mm. touted by a top team. Um, but I, I, I would expect Gasly to 
only really be able to sort of maybe have a conversation with McLaren that could go somewhere. Yeah, That's the only place I can really think because Ricardo, it does look set to be going into 2023 with McLaren. He's been doing pretty well recently on his contract, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been too many sort of just letdowns on that side that it's just, okay, well, we'll see out the contract. And obviously there's a test with Colton Herter coming up later this year and he will be doing a few FP1s for the team, but whether that goes anywhere, we won't, we don't know. And it's a, it's a, it's a bold one to go for for McLaren. If you look at their plan for the next couple of years Um, and um, I'd imagine you look at it and just think, Hmm, he just needs to get started on that now and it's just complicated to be honest I think there are already starting to be similarities I know it's still relatively early in his career but similarities to Perez's career you know in that he's in that he's in that mold where you know last season we're saying he's a top five top six um driver but he's not even really you know in a top six team or kind of on the very edge of it you know in in terms of construction, he's not anywhere near that with the car under him. And, you know, again, having having that shot at a team early in his career that didn't go to plan, I think already there are parallels that you can see with it. And we know how long it took Checo to get that second big break at a top team. And, you know, it's if you're looking at Gasly, I think you'd be looking at that thinking, you know, but like like you said, Freddie, let's let's get something moving a bit quicker here. Do you, do you think Rebel were taken back, Nigel? Uh... I don't think Red Bull would, no. Uh, and we, that, that's the only thing, isn't it? Is he still feeling the kind of effects from that Red Bull, you know, six-month onslaught? Like, is, is that still a factor, you know, for, like, for Mercedes or Ferrari or whoever? Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's probably the case, to be honest, because I think you would have probably looked at Ricardo a few years ago and gone, well... Um, Excellent, excellent, excellent. And now he's just not a conversation at all because, yes, he's performing against Norris. For the most part now, Norris has still got the handle on him. Um, but that just completely has just wiped him off the seat of the earth for any sort of serious discussions, similar to um, to Vettel. Um, so I think, you know, memories are short in Formula 1, but they can also be very long if he did a bad thing let's be honest and I think Perez has proved that um, Gazi should be given a second chance but I think he was the sort of in the worst position of those the three the sort of Gasly, Albon, Perez quandary at Rebel which has kind of been resolved Um, so yeah that's that's the situation really I, I, I don't really know what I see for Gasly apart from career midfielder maybe having a sort of peter out like a Hulkenberg to be honest in my opinion I think I think I would say from from rebel angle there's not much pressure coming up from below it really you know we all all know what happened what's happened with Vips and you know Deruvel is in his third season of F2 and he's doing all right but you know he had three seasons in um, F3 or European F3 before that so you know he really he's in a Joe position where he really should be doing well now and outside of that you know Hauger's not kicked on from where he would have wanted to be so you know it is how is the best bet in my opinion if we're looking at that i'd say how is the best bet in terms of because he's in his debut year in f2 and he's performing as well as um in my opinion lawson deruvula um and iwasa um i mean iwasa is at damned and 
I, I would put money on Halga being the next graduate, but I just, you're right, there isn't the gap. But, I mean, you know, I think, and you're probably right in terms of he's the best bet, but I don't think that's an ideal situation. You know, I think, I think you want to be in a better position than that, really. And, um, you know, I, you may well be the next graduate, but, you know, I think in terms of Red, where Red Bull would want to be, they want the next Leclerc coming through or the next Russell coming through, and they've not, I don't see that in their academy at the moment. And that's part of the reason, you know, as much as I don't think, you know, for, for Gasly, even though he'll have career ambitions to be going higher, I think there's not a lot of worry at the moment because he's got, you know, I think he he's still got um, another at least season before he needs to be worrying about his Alpha Tauri seat. I really think he's settled there. All it takes, though, is <clears throat> next year, two or three young drivers, not just from the Red Bull driver academy, but from the F2 grid, uh, who are like Leclerc or, you know, or, or Verstappen or someone like that, and they join F1, and then they're said to be the next big superstar, and then they'll they'll straight away go ahead of Gazi in the yeah. kind of list. Yeah. That is the only thing. But right now, yeah, you're probably right. He is you know, behind Norris in the next kind of level. Because uh, there is no young superstar out there in the sport series who, who is looking like an F1 world champion. So he does have that on his side right now, but in 12 months that could change. So. Mm. Yeah, because it feels like Piastri is covered. Um, mm. there, were, there were a few rumours in Montreal that he's going to be announced 2023 with Williams in place of Nicholas Latifi this weekend at Silverstone. Um, I mean, obviously that's a watch this space kind of scenario um and obviously Latifi's brought a lot to that team so they might give a bit more grace to an exit of Latifi from Williams but um than Piastri it is very much a kind of pick and choose your your um driver from Formula 2 out of a hat to be honest has, has there been any links with Djokovic because I think you know I think he's been performing obviously he's leading champions this year but I don't think that's a Massive surprise. He's shown pace all the way through his F2 career. And, you know, I just, but I, I don't think I've ever heard of, you know, particular links or. There aren't any. He's got no um, F1 team affiliation. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if something comes towards him around the summer break. There's usually a test around Hungary kind of time. So I wouldn't be surprised if he popped in at um, maybe Alpha Towering or somewhere like that around then. Mm. Um, but. It's also a, a kind of a hard one to call. It depends how you rate Djokovic, to be honest. A third season F2 driver who did well at MP, did very badly at UNI Virtuosi, and now is doing well at MP again. It's kind of like he's never been a stellar guy, um, but his reputation, I think, is quite high at the moment. I think he's no worse than a Teo Porcher in, in that series, to be honest, in my opinion. And Teo Porcher lauded like he's the best thing since sliced bread, which, in my opinion, he isn't. Um, but anyway... Um, you look at that and think, okay, well, not not bad at all. So, I don't know, at risk of this becoming an academy. No podcast. comment. <laughs> no comment from Nigel. He seems to rate every ART driver as the best thing. Um, um, but anyway, um, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think that's, the tide is turning. And we've said this a couple of times from the Red Bull Academy. And I think it's really to the Alpine Academy. There's a reason... Um, Jack Doohan, I was going to say Mick Doohan there, he's he's a bike champion, he's a very different character, um, who's his dad. He, he's, he moved out of choice to the Alpine Academy from Red Bull, so who knows where that's going to leave everything. But we're thinking, we're thinking a couple of seasons into the future with this conversation now. 
Mm. Um, Happy for Gasly. <laughs> Gasly. Um, anyway, I think you're yeah, a full on silly season thing in August, I reckon. Yeah, we probably will. There'll be a few things that will be opening up as discussion points. For instance, Nick DeFries probably, I reckon, is going to be um, thrown into a few conversations without his <laughs> control, to be honest. Um, but anyway, um, but anyway, moving on to another debate that we're going to have, which probably will just be us agreeing with things as well, um, in a way that Formula One team bosses can't. Uh, hey, Opposite, they drive Anthony. cars. Yes, porpoising cars. Whatever's going on with that in Formula One at the moment. Obviously, there was a, a technical directive brought in in Montreal um, regarding um, how much a car could vertically move up and down. Um, still obviously allowed to bounce but it can only bounce at a certain amount nothing was laid in stone in montreal they asked teams to kind of measure how much their vertical um movement was and then they were going to bring in a few kind of touch points in a way it's okay well you can't move up this much because you know you're going to knock your drivers back and that could kill, cause severe vertebrae damage and nerve damage and stuff for years and like 20 years ago everyone who finished formula one walked with a with a limp and is a bit deaf nowadays you kind of don't want that so there's um i mean a few discussions between formula one team personnel and they can't agree on anything believe it or not because obviously it becomes a competitive discussion um which is fair enough but where do you guys stand on this technical directive of and where it seems to be going nigel do you want to jump in on your opinion first i think the fia pretty much doing the right thing. I think it should set a certain limit, find out what this limit is, and if your car is over this limit, you should be forced to raise your ride height because then it will stop or lessen the porpoising, I think. And then, so then in that case, it helps the driver's safety for those who are bouncing more because the car height is raised. And those like Red Bull or Alpine who are not suffering the bouncing as much shouldn't have their car because their car is fine so then their competitive I guess advantage from it remains which should be the case because they've done a better job because they saw it coming whereas Sadies and other teams didn't see it coming and I don't think there should be disadvantage from that at all so I think the FIA are going in the right direction with it uh, I just I wouldn't like to see a massive kind of suspension or flaw regulation change especially if it's mid-season i would absolutely be totally totally again maybe next season but i think they're doing the right thing with it uh i don't think there should be any major kind of changes i just think there should be some kind of regulation to say you know if you're going over us if you're bouncing too much raise your car that's it do you think it can just be solved by raising the car yes because I think Baku was the outlier. If you look at all the nine races so far, all the drivers complaining, it was mostly in Baku. Before Baku, it was just a handful of drivers. Canada, I don't think we even, we barely heard the drivers complaining. So for me, Baku is the outlier. Canada, we heard drivers praising the decision. Um, yeah. Majority, pretty well. I think you're basically safe to say probably about 17 or 18 out of 20 um, were basically praising the, the, um, the TD. And that's that's pretty impressive as a move. I think I, I, I agree with you, Nigel, that I think it's the right kind of call and it does protect it. I think 
in terms of solving the issue, it depends how you mean solving the issue, because it does, it creates issues in itself, which is the whole debate, but it solves the issue in terms of um, drivers being buffeted around their own cockpits um, with tight seatbelts, keeping them slapping into the, into the, the, the seat, basically. On that point, though, we see the teams, you know, compromising between uh, reliability and speed. Like, say, if say if the weather gets hot and you know we're cooling and stuff like that, we, we see the teams making that compromise. Why can't they make that compromise between the driver's safety and performance? It surely should be the same kind of thing. No, it so shouldn't be a compromise. It's, it's that shouldn't team. be a compromise. Driver's safety should come first, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you start thinking about a compromise of safety, that's when it becomes ridiculous. Like if teams were allowed to be doing what they were doing, they would put a fuel tank around yeah. the driver, have the driver at the front with their legs in the crumple zone like they had in the 80s. And that's why that's why that was all moved, because it's like you need to save the teams from themselves 40 years ago in terms of the way the drivers were to save the drivers. That worked. Um, and, you know, the amount, if you were a lot, what was it Toto Wolf said about the halo? He wanted to take a saw to it because he didn't like how it looked. Well, screw that. The halo is a fantastic piece of safety innovation so i think when you think about it yeah it's not safety in terms of like ripping someone's head off if they're going to a tire barrier a risk of being too graphic but it's it's still in terms of long-term damage i think it's the kind of thing where you can't even question in my opinion compromise you've got to kind of just put this at the front yeah yeah but you know it if you're asking, you know, why haven't teams been doing that already? I think we all know the answer. It's because, yes. you know, for, for something like this, where it's not, as you said, it's not kind of an immediate, you know, risk of, you know, in an incident, it's just kind of a build up, build up of things. They're always, always, always going to push the limit as far as possible. And that's why technical directive has, has had to come in because, you know, teams, teams and drivers will push themselves as far as they physically can to get that advantage. And, you know, I hope, I hope it works, but you know, it is, I don't think, you know, and I don't think everyone thinks this, but it's not, it's not something where this um, directive comes in and, you know, if, if they're talking about running right height, then that's got to be a, you know, still watch this space. It's come back to it in a few races, see if it's working, see if it's had the like impact because, you know, it's not, teams didn't kind of see this coming as much as it did. And there's always with technical um, changes to the car and raising right height like that, then, you know, you need to be looking at, the impact over several races and then evaluating whether that has been successful. So even though you're saying watch this space, where do you think this is going to go then? I, I, I hope it will solve it. I'm not kind of technical enough to see the kind of unforeseen, um, I guess, circumstances or problems that will arise from, but I just think, you know, people who are smart than me should be looking. I think, I think what they introduced in Canada will remain and I think that has so far been enough to, you know, not have the levels of porpoising that we've seen earlier in the season. That's why I don't really get what Total Wolf is arguing. Because we've heard about, you know, heated debates with Horner, Wolf and Bonotto. I don't understand what more he wants. Because for me, Mercedes and Baxter, now this is my opinion, I think they ran the car as low as possible. to yes. Not only for performance, but to try and make a point to like make to let to make changes happen. That's why you know Hamilton was so fatigued after the race and stuff. I I, I genuinely think they did it intentionally to try and make a point, and I I, I, I don't think that's right from them. Quite frankly, to put a driver's health and safety at risk, Mercedes the team. 
I think that's completely out of order. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's stand... my opinion, of course. I think we all stand in the same position with that. Um, I think it's going to be a, a, it's going to definitely play out politically over Silverstone. I think it's going to be an interesting one yeah. to see how that comes into into play. Silverstone's a weird track surface. It was very bumpy at points, and now I think it's quite smooth because they would they sued the people who made it bumpy and won a whole lot of money um, a few years ago. And it'll be an interesting track to see how this plays out. On um, we did say after Spain, well, around then, that we think this could be a track that Merck could do all right at after they were all right in Spain. Um, we're just going to touch on it for kind of a, a couple of a couple of sentences, really, um, because we're, we're, we're doing this as a, a, a short podcast. Um, but Lewis Hamilton, is he going to win? Is he going to be in the fight for the win this year? He's won um, all but two of the races in Silverstone since 2014, not the 70th anniversary or the 2018 Grand Prix. Um, do we think he's got a, a chance in hell? Just give me a yes, Nigel. Or no. This year or this weekend? Zero chance. I said this year or, or this weekend. Oh, this weekend. Or this weekend, no. This year? I agree. This year, yes. Okay, Adam. I, I think for this weekend, what we saw in Canada from Mercedes is the ceiling. I think that's the absolute upper limit of what they can what they can do. And they'll need kind of fortune to go with that as well as the car performing to their kind of best expectations. This year, yeah, I think there's, you know, I think there's always a chance and I'd back him to take it. And, you know, I still, you know, it, it's a long, long season, you know, it really, it really is. So, you know, I think there's, yeah, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a decent chance over the season, but this weekend I do not see it at all. It'd have to be a crazy race. I can kind of see it this weekend based on stuff I said about a month ago that I thinking thinking this track could actually be okay for Merck and better than others just across the year anyway, because of, the sort of medium to high speed corners, but I'd be inclined to agree no for I other than that, really, pretty much the whole year. I think this would be a best chance, but it still would be slim, in my opinion. Um, but yes, so talking of Silverstone, uh, Formula One returns home, you could say, to um, Britain to um, a track I think we all really, really enjoy. And what 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 are you what are you expecting then? Are you expecting more of the same? Are you expecting Ferrari? Are you expecting Red Bull? I mean, we don't know anything based on ride heights, but um, out of where do you where do you want to throw your weight behind in terms of support? I really hope Ferrari can do well. Like I really, I don't know. I just I, I I want them to be able to make a fight of it, and it's going to. I think if they can get they can get the car. To the finish, I think they'll have a decent chance. Think you know, having taking the the new engine last time out, you know, they're not hopefully won't be dealing with issues with that. And I'd hope they'd be able to to challenge and make something of it. But you know, because Red Bull have looked so clean as an operation, and you know, it's I don't I don't know. It's kind of difficult based off what we've seen over the last few races. They seem to be you know be able to deal with most of what's thrown at them. But yeah, I, I'm kind of partisanly backing Ferrari. I think I have as well. I think can definitely position. I mean, he's the best qualifier out there. It's just whether the race pace from Canada from Ferrari, whether that 
translates into Silverstone. And, you know, if, if it does, then Finland has got a fantastic chance. He could do something similar to what he did in Spain before he broke down. He built a lead of 10 best for Schlappen Sport then. Uh, but we'll see something similar. Uh, but a champion make, kind of need a Ferrari domination, but Ferrari to, you know, do something really impressive and win kind of uh, what I think Verstappen and Red Bull will be, you know, I think every single race this year they're going to be in the fight for it. Uh, so that's going to be a bit of a headache for Ferrari. Yeah, it's an annoying one because it's historically recent history, been a very good track for Max and Charles. Um, obviously, Leclerc probably well had his best drive of, in my opinion, last of. 2021 at Silverstone and probably one of his best drives of 2020 at Silverstone um, and they both had a mega scrap what are some of the best racing you will ever see between two drivers in 2019 that was just allowed just to be them throwing did the you like that battle? I thought you didn't really rate that battle much I've never, never really oh, talked about it much I rate the battle um, <laughs> they, I mean how they weren't knocked out by each other's kitchen sinks is beyond me but, <laughs> Oh, I butchered that metaphor, but anyway, um, I think you know it could be a nice slog between the two of them, and that's kind of what I'm I'm hoping for. I always get excited for this race anyway because it's the British Grand Prix, but um, I think we could have a have an all right an all right race because um, Silverstone, and you know, I think any 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 for any outliers you think are going to pop up? Do you think Alpine could be doing another another blinder this weekend where they then just end up in ninth? I think with Alpine, like, I don't know how much of a blinder it would be. I think they're kind of just sneaky, quite good. And obviously they've got the straight line pace and, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I don't know kind of when, when I, I don't know how surprised I'd be with it. But um, yeah, outside of that, I'm not sure I'll let Nigel answer that. I think this track is similar to Barcelona in two by two or near two by two grid and it's kind of in pace order, so we too many surprises. But the racing will be fantastic because it you can race in this long straight high speed corners. But I think with this year's cars, it is you know just as familiar as some of the recent silver races that we've seen. Yeah, I think these new cars are going to be pretty exciting here. I completely agree. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, so we've got a week until Silverstone. Um, as Adam said, press conferences on the Thursday, so you'll get some quotes early, um, and we'll be back after the race to discuss it to to say how probably boring it was or something like that after we've said it's going to be good but anyway um have a good week guys enjoy the grand prix and we'll see you soon goodbye